Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. All right, my friends, I'm so excited to be here with my girl, Amanda, today. This is one of my friends, long time, long time, and she was one of those people. She's a coach like me, and Mm -hmm. so we met through the coaching life, and I got to meet her in real life for the first time when we were on a trip. We were on a cruise and I just walked past her and she has this amazing little boy. And I was just immediately intrigued. She was just like sitting at a table by herself with her son, feeding him, helping him. Her husband wasn't anywhere in sight. No other coaches were anywhere in sight. And I was just going to get me some ice cream (laughs) and I passed her and was like, Oh my gosh, like I want to hear your story. I want to hear all about you. Oh my word, tell me everything. And you guys, this woman is, I don't, there aren't even words. Like the the power that she has as a human, as a mom, and the the person that she helps me feel like I am, just being around her. She brings out the best in absolutely everyone. And I am just so freaking amped to have her on today to chat with us. So Amanda, tell us, tell us about your little boy. Tell us about what makes him so special. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, first of all, before I even go into that, like I'm over here tearing up, you know, I'm all like postpartum and emotional and the hormones. I'm just sitting here like, you know, five years ago, I didn't think that anybody would ever say those things about me. You know what I mean? Like I was, I, I didn't feel inspiring. I didn't feel powerful. And like, just to hear someone say that I inspire them or that I I'm so powerful like that, that makes my heart melt because some days I'm just like, I am just so a mess right now. Yeah. <laughs> People could really see, I was like, I don't feel powerful. So that like that, that warmed my heart. That made me just, that made me feel really good. So thank you. And I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Of course. And I, I really mean it. And seriously, just a little plug for that. Like I was actually doing my, um, a little bit of my business activities this morning and a random person that I didn't even know, I was just watching her stories. I had just added her as a friend on Instagram and I watched her stories and she shouted out my podcast and it's going to make me emotional, but it was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know that person. Right. Like, and she shouted out this podcast and she said why she loved it. And it just made me realize like, oh my gosh, people that I don't even know are listening to this message. It's resonating with them. And you guys, I'm sitting in my closet right now. I'm sitting staring at my skirts that are very much in need of being ironed. And my son's shirts from when he was 18 months old that still have yet to be ironed. Guys, he's almost five. Okay. Like I am so normal and so not 
I'm very normal. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I love that message too. Yeah. Amanda. Like that just, we really are so much more influential and powerful than even we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. So stepping into that power and just, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And thank, you know, thank you, Jesus, for, for that. Thank you, Jesus, that they, he had so many bigger plans for, for me and you than we ever could have imagined. I mean, who could ever imagine that we'd be on a platform where, you know, you'd be, you, you'd have a podcast. I was just saying that, like, like, Brittany has a podcast. Like, she, you, you took a chance, you took a risk, you stepped out in faith. And how awesome is that, that you get to, like, listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do and change people's lives. You know, it's, it's such a blessing for us to, to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and to his call, because that means that we get to impact others. And when we impact other people positively, then they start to impact people positively. And then it's this amazing, just like trickle down effect. And, you know, wow, like what a, what a testimony and, and just the power of, of the kingdom to do oh, amazing amen. things. So Amen. Oh, amen. All the feels. I'm like, oh, all the feels. I got passion sweats right now. I'm sitting here like, we're, we're like a minute into the call and I already got passion sweats. That's exactly off my shirt. <laughs> totally. Oh, totally. Okay. All right. Well, my friend, tell everybody what I know. What makes your cute Rafi so special? What makes you so special, my friend? Walk us through your, your journey. Uh, all right. So, um, my son, Raphael is, he is now, he's over three years old now. Um, but it was, uh, it was over three years ago. Um, actually it was about five years ago. My husband and I got married and, um, I'm older. Uh, so I was 38. If I'm doing math correctly, I have to really think about this. I was 37, 38 when I got married and, um, I was like, well, we wanted to start having children right away. And um, we struggled with infertility for about 18 months. And I had to go through the testing, the hormone testing. Uh, I went through the uh, HSG test where they put the dye in your uterus to see if there's blockages. Turned out I had a blockage in my right um, fallopian tube. Uh, you know, I felt just so down, like, oh, this will never happen. I'll never have a baby. Um, you know, just kind of those things. Well, uh, we did find out um, that we could have an IUI or artificial insemination. And so we decided to go that route and see, you know, how that went. And we actually went in and we got pregnant on our first try with the IUI. So we have an IUI success. Uh, so we were elated, girl. We were just so happy. We were like, this is so great. We're so happy. Like, thank you, Lord, um, you know, just for blessing us. And everything was going really well. Um, everything was going well into our pregnancy. I was working full time and um, I was like, this is going to be my last semester teaching, like once the, the school year ended. And I was like, well, I'm going to come home. I'm going to coach full time. I'm going to be a mom. It's like everything I wanted. It's going to be so sweet. Um, so I did that. I left my job. And a couple weeks later, we went in for our 20 week mid anatomy scan. And, you know, again, you walk into an appointment and you're just like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. We're going to find out whether it's a boy or a girl. She's doing the, the scan. All I see is like the, the fireworks of the blue and the red with the heart, you know, when they check the heart and the blood flow. And I'm like, oh, it's perfect. And they're like, it's a little boy. And I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. So they send us on our way. 
and they had sent us for a referral and the doctor actually came out, not the midwife, because I was seeing midwives, the doctor came out and she was like, we're gonna give you this referral to go to the hospital because we want you to have a more detailed scan. And I didn't think anything of it. I looked at the diagnosis and I was like, well, that's weird. Like she didn't mention anything. Why would anything be wrong? And I had asked some of my mama friends and they were like, no, they probably just wanna check anything. So they just, you know, are gonna rule it out. And I was like, okay. So the next week we went into the hospital for a more detailed scan and a fetal echocardiogram. And we found out that Raphael had a heart defect. And, um, we also found out that there were other things that made them suspect that he had a genetic abnormality. Um, more, more precisely, they thought he either had trisomy 13 or trisomy 18. And if you've never heard of a trisomy, um, most commonly, the most common trisomy is trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome which a lot of people know about Down syndrome, but trisomy 13 and trisomy 18 are basically the same. It's an extra 13th or 18th chromosome, and they're more rare than Down syndrome. And so of course, you know, uh, I doctor Googled that, <laughs> and all I saw were awful statistics. So if you ever get a diagnosis like that, never doctor Google, do not doctor Google. Um, I, all I saw was like awful things, you know, like death, and you know um handicaps and uh delays and you know all these things and like my mind went to like all these awful places and um we really had to dig very deep into our faith at that at that point because you know i had asked the doctors i said okay um what what happens you know what when someone hears a diagnosis like this or you know a suspected diagnosis like this what do people do and you know the first thing that the doctor and the geneticist they were together and they said you know a lot of people terminate pregnancy and i was like well that's not an option for us mm -hmm. there ain't no option for us this is my baby you know we want him here we're going to do everything we can that we can to protect him and you know we're gonna let god kind of take the reins so um, we went through the rest of the pregnancy there. I mean, he actually, it was a, it was, it was an amazing pregnancy. Like people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, it was a great pregnancy. Um, he was on the small side. Um, so I didn't feel him kick and punch as much um, as if he was bigger because he just size wise was very small. Um, but I was healthy. Um, I still was working out i still was doing things and honestly he was safer on the inside um, than on the outside because he still had me you know supplying his needs giving him my blood and things like that his heart wasn't it was pumping but it wasn't working on its own mm -hmm. as he was born um so he came and he was born at 37 and 6 so he was full term he was a tiny i'm looking at him right now he was a tiny little peanut when he came out he was like three and a half pounds um he had a full head of hair just so tiny this little wrinkled forehead he was so sweet so sweet um and then after that is where the that's really where the journey began <laughs> you know like pregnancy was the the first part um but after that is really where the journey started to get very very real and at that time, we didn't even know what what was going to happen later on. Man, and I I seriously just have to commend you for mm. your courage. I mean, I 
I think it would be so easy to like when the doctor's like, Hey, this is when you terminate like this baby and the statistics and your doctor Google and all the things, I think it would be so easy to fall into the, the fear of, you know what, this baby's just not going to live anyways. And so like, (laughs) I just think it would be so easy to fall into that. And I, I really, really commend you because I've, I've met a lot of moms who find out that their child is disabled and they don't choose to abort. They choose to, you know, carry their baby full term and see what happens. But it's so interesting, your mindset versus so many other moms that I've met that it's just like, I'm just going to... I'm just going to expect my baby to be stillborn essentially. And, and while I think that that it's that very fine balance between like being a realist and being an optimist and like not set, not setting yourself up for like hurt and pain and, and whatever, and just trying to prepare yourself. But I think there's also a very real difference between like, what if, like, what if he's okay? And what if he makes it? And what if I don't put it out in the universe that he's just going to die right away, right immediately? Like, what what if I put it out into the universe that, you know what, maybe he will be okay. And your faith in, in yourself, in, in Rafi and in God to like, yeah, I just think that's very commendable. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, I would never, I don't beat people up for their choices. You know, there's, there's a lot of women that I've met along this journey that have faced the same diagnosis as we did after we had Raphael. And, you know, one of the things that I, I always, I share pictures um, because, you know, the face of the face of trisomies, the face of genetic abnormalities, you know, people think like they're, they're going to have this horrible life or they're, they're suffering or not. And I'm like, I share pictures. Like my baby is not suffering. Never once is he suffering. He is the most joyful kid I've ever met in my life. He is so strong. He is so resilient. I mean, he is sassy as all get out. He is, he's a spitfire. And from the beginning, you know, I said, this battle is between Raphael and God. And the reason we named Raphael Raphael is because of Yahweh Rapha, which means God is my healer. So Raphael means in Hebrew, God has healed. And so we spoke that prophetically over Raphael because we could not come up with a name. And then I was like, oh, I was reading the Bible one night and I was just like, Rafa, Rafa, Raphael, what Rafa, doesn't it? Yahweh Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, like that's healing, like duh. (laughs) What does Raphael mean? And then we were like, that's what we're going to name him. And literally I really, there is so much power in our words and how we think and what we say in our minds to ourselves and what we speak out loud. And that was one thing that, I mean, I'm not saying it was rainbows and unicorns, you know, throughout my pregnancy, even still now. Um, And during my pregnancy, there were times where I was like, you know, I had said to my husband, I was like, why are, you know, I, I don't want to have this baby shower because who knows, like he may not come out alive. I don't know. Are we going to do this? And then he's going to, but you know, my husband was right there standing in faith with me and saying, no, no, no. You remember the promises of God. You remember what God said. You remember God's word and you remember what we're speaking. And, and that was so powerful to me in those moments because that got us through so many of our dark times. Because like I said, once he was born, that was kind of just the beginning of the battle. Mm-hmm. 
So take us through that. What happened after he was born? So um, we were in the NICU for the first week and he was on, um, first when he came out, they had him on a little tiny CPAP mask, um, just providing him CPAP pressure support to his lungs. Um, but other than that, he was doing fairly well. Um, his oxygen saturations were well. You know, we, we had met with everyone at that time. We'd met with palliative care. We had met with neurology. We, cause he has um, another, I don't even know what to, another condition called dandy walker malformation uh, where his cerebellum is smaller than the rest of his head and uh, a lot of kids and again you know I, I say these medical terms and these diagnoses but every child can present differently with these. Some kids with Dandy Walker malformation don't have a brain stem, um, which you know are, are the things that help them breathe and keep their heart beating, but thankfully Raphael had that. And we've never really had any major complications with the Dandy Walker malformation. Um, but we didn't know at the time that he had other issues that were going on with his airways. Um, we knew about the heart issue and we knew that some kids that are completely, have all their chromosomes, they have tetralogy of Fallot, it's a congenital heart defect, and they can live with it for years before getting it repaired. Unfortunately, um, we were, so we were in the NICU for a week, and he was doing really well, um, he was just on some oxygen, and then they were like, well, he's doing great, let's just get him growing, and we'll discharge you, and they sent us up to the um, general care floor. So we were on the general care floor and things were going well. We were learning how to do tube feedings um, through an NG tube through his nose down to his stomach. So I was, you know, pumping breast milk, making sure he was getting the breast milk through his through the the tube through his nose to his tummy. Um, then one day, he suddenly turned blue. My husband was holding him and he turned blue and I was like, his sats dropped to five and from one hundred percent oxygen to a five and he went completely blue and was just kind of laying there and they rushed in and they called a code and they called it it was crazy our room got i was eating breakfast i remember it like it was yesterday and he you know they they rush in the room they're they're calling all these codes there's people yelling there's doctors everywhere there's respiratory therapists they're trying to get his oxygen back up it it was a madhouse they're bagging them i hear one of the doctors go do do, do where are the parents do they want interventions do they want and i'm like you i'm like you better save my baby's life you know what i mean and i was like you're gonna save my baby's life um so after that which was super scary. We ended up taking a trip upstairs to the cardiac unit. So we were in cardiac intensive care. And throughout that, we were there for probably another seven to 10 days. Um, they, we had different things that we could do. Um, they had, they kept saying that, well, if it's an airway issue, it's his brain telling his body not to breathe. Um, which they call central apnea. And I kept saying, well, he's retracting his, you know, I talked to other moms um, who had kids with trisomy 18 and they were like, this is what to look for. These are the questions to ask. And so I was like, wait a minute, is he retracting? Do you see things with his lungs when he breathes? 
that could signal an airway issue and just advocating for them. So I kept saying, where's the ENT? Where's the ENT? Because cardiology was like, well, if it's a central apnea issue, um, there's really not much we can do. And his brain's just telling his body not to breathe. And he may be on a vent his whole life. And, and I was just like, where's the ENT? So they were kind of giving us options at that point for, do, do you wanna just have comfort care in the hospital and let them pass away in your arms? Um, do you want to go in and do a balloon procedure to open up his pulmonary artery, to get more blood to his body? Uh, you know, he was on caffeine at that point. And I just kept saying like, we, we wanna talk to everyone, like get pulmonology in here. We want to talk to the ENT. We want to get his airway looked at. Like there are all these things. So finally, ENT comes in. This was after a particularly rough day, um, not getting a lot of sleep at night. I was having dreams that Raphael would, would die. And when you're sleeping in plastic chairs, on plastic couches, my husband and I were both there, we would not leave his side. When you're going through things like that and you're already traumatized from the bells and the whistles and the alarms and trying to decide what's best for your son and, and trying to figure out what's going on and to start having these dreams on top of it that you're going to lose them. And like the pain in the dream was so real. It felt like my heart was being ripped out of my chest. So this was a really particularly hard day. And I remember just feeling so down and I was just like, God, like, where where are you right now like we need you right now and here comes Dr. Green the ENT he comes in and he's like I'm Dr. Green I work with um I I, I you know I'm the ENT uh, I work with families with kids with trisomy 18. Let's look at his airway and the first thing he did is he looked at his airway and he said well his trachea is floppy and that's why he's not getting air I can trach him on Monday it was a Friday and I was like, get the heck out of here. You know, like when the, that prayer gets answered and you're like, that's all I wanted to know. Is there something that we can do so that we can give him the best life possible so we can give him a chance at the best life possible? And yes, we could. And so we were like, do it do it give him a trach give him a chance open up those airways and you know the best part is that dr green came in with all this hope and he was like he goes i'm not going to sugarcoat it it's going to be challenging being a, a mom of a child with a tracheostomy he said but it's possible and this is what will help him have life and grow and thrive and do all those awesome things and i was like that's what we want so they went in, cardiology came in, and they were like, oh, we see Dr. Green's going to do the trach, so we're going to go in and do a heart cath to open up his artery. So then he had to get intubated. We went back to the NICU. <laughs> it was crazy. We went back to the NICU after he had his heart cath to wait for his tracheostomy. He had a tracheostomy. He had a G-tube placed because he... Um, because of the heart issue and the breathing, the airway issues, he was not sucking from a bottle. Um, he was not breastfeeding or nursing. And so we had to find a way to get him nutrition. And the G-tube the G was the more long-term solution. So we had that. He had a procedure to uh, fix his male-rotated intestines. Uh, and then we were back in the NICU. And then after that, we were in the NICU until he was like five kilos and then he got to five kilos. We went up to stable vent unit 
Um, stable vent unit is where all the traits invented kiddos. Hi, baby. Where all the traits invented kiddos go before they go home so that we can learn trait. You know, actually, we already knew. We, they taught us everything in the NICU. We knew how to change the trait. We knew how to order. We, we had everything in place. Like, we did all his cares. I would not let the nurses do anything. My husband and I were like, nope, this is our son. We're going to take care of him. We're going to be the ones taking him home. So we want to learn and we want to feel comfortable right now. And we were, we were in the hospital until it was eight months. It was eight long months. He had open heart repair to uh, finally fix his complete defect. So his heart is completely fixed and repaired right now. Um, he had a really large hole in the bottom of his heart and a small hole in the top portion of his heart. Um, they had taken a stent out that they had played. It was crazy. Girl, it was, when I tell you, you could do a whole podcast just on Raphael's medical stuff alone. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. But God's so faithful and he's so good. And eight months and one day we came home. We came home. <laughs> and that is so cool. And you said he's three now? Three now. Yeah, three and a half. He'll be four in October. He goes to school, like he gets on the bus, he goes to school, he's got friends at school, his teachers, like he is, he's incredible. He's yeah. incredible. He's a big brother. It's crazy. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. And you said earlier that your postpartum and your baby girl is, she's how many months now? She's like eight. Seven months. Yeah. She'll be eight months on the 18th, 17. Oh my goodness. That's so fun. And okay. So when you were trying to decide, okay, is Rafi going to be your only kid? Are we going to have two? Like, are we worried about genetic testing? Should we even have more kids? Like, what? walk us through that process. You know, we didn't have any genetic testing with Raphael. I didn't even, so we never did the NIPT just because we were like, why? For us, we were like, why? We're going to love the kid no matter what. That was our mindset going into it. Who would have thought who would have guessed that some random genetic fluke would have brought us a child with trisomy 18. It's just a random thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having that positive mindset mm -hmm. helped, but um, you know, after we didn't, we didn't really even think twice about having more kids. We were like, we wanted more kids. We wanted, you know, Raphael to have siblings. Uh, we still didn't do any genetic testing uh, with our second child. Um, we found out we were pregnant naturally. We didn't have to have a, cause I was like, oh, we're going to have to have an IUI again. We're going to have to do all this. Um, but it's ironic that you mentioned the cruise earlier because that's where we conceived our second child. Hey, hey, go on a cruise. I'm just saying, get yourself on a cruise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Book that cruise today, girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's where we conceived our second child. We ended up losing our second child. Um, I had a miscarriage, uh, but I still, they asked me if I wanted to do genetic testing uh, after to see, and I was like, no. I was like, what would it change? It wouldn't change anything. And then three months later, we got pregnant with Zoe and same thing. I was like, nope, we're, we're just going to trust that God's got it. Because by that time, I think when you start walking through trials in life and you see how God is with you through the trials and how he can take that, that that pain and he can turn it into like he brings beauty from ashes for real for real and as you see him showing up and being faithful and doing those things you kind of just like it doesn't matter anymore the genetic testing doesn't matter anymore because I know that God's gonna walk through it 
through everything. And even my doctor, my PCP, she's like, are you going to do genetic testing? And I was like, no. And she kept saying like, I think you, I think you should. Cause she said it with Raphael, even before we knew anything, she was like, I think you should just so you know what you're getting yourself into. And I was like, no, like if I can't handle it, then what am I doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Totally. Am I even, should I be a mom at all? <laughs> should I be a mom at all? Should, am I cut out for this? Which in reality, we're never really cut out. I mean, like we are, we are, we are made for this, but really are we cut out for it? Probably not. We can't do it on our own, you know? And I know if I'm assuming if people are listening to your podcast, they know that you are very strong in your faith and that, you know, Jesus is number one in your life. And it's just like, if we don't got our faith and we don't got Jesus, we don't got, you know, daddy God walking through it with us then we can't do it. We can't do it on our own. Mm -hmm. and, and thankfully we don't have to, right? Exactly like you were saying, like he's got our back and, yep. and they were his first, right? Mm -hmm. They were his first and he knows them better than we do. So that's right. And he loves them more than we do. And that's what I, I say even to this day. I'm just like, I tell Raphael, I tell Zoe, I'm like, you know, daddy God loves you so much more than I do. And I said, you know, your mama loves you so much. I said, but daddy God loves you. Like, and infinitely more. I hear the baby. Mm -hmm. It's okay. <laughs> You've got you. cute, cute little. That's totally, totally real life. So no worries at all. No, so good. And yes, he loves he loves them infinitely more than we do. And when we can lean on that that trust and that love, it really it helps us grow into more than we could ever be on our absolutely. Own. Totally, totally. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so walk us through like right now. What mm -hmm. is and and kind of like your your future does he does he have like a how long do you expect him to live how are you like working through that mindset and all that oh you know um i i don't know i mean that's a really good question and i think about that sometimes i'm you know we've seen some of the the kids in our trisomy community we've seen them pass away at three years old at four years old it's you know and it's 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 a scary thought to think about but i've also seen kids outside of our community that were very healthy kids that also pass away before their time. And, you know, I think after having a miscarriage, it really changed my, my perception and my thought process on that too. Cause I'm like, God can take any of us home at any time. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate for, for our family is that the reality of it is a little too real there, you know, there's this reality of it more so than any other um, person. But I mean, you, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it's, it's about living in the moment. It's yeah. about living and enjoying every, every moment that you can, you know, I do everything he, as he's looking at me right now, he's looking at me, he's got in his mouth. He's like, well, you're talking about me. Um, but like, I look at him and I just think like, I want to be present here for you. I want to show you what life you know, the beauty of life. I want to show you all of the things. I want to live like it's going to be your last day. And I, I think if we all thought like that, how much more purposeful would we be in our journey through motherhood? Oh, because we don't, we don't know. And I do the same thing with Zoe. I'm like, I just, I want to soak in this moment and know that you know we're going to enjoy this right here right now because i may never get it back i may never get that chance again mm -hmm. 
And I, I love that. And yes, like Amanda is totally one of those people who lives for now. Like when you're talking to her, you can tell like she is staring into your soul. Like there is nothing else that matters right now besides me and you and the conversation that we're having right here, right now. And I really think that's one of the reasons that she is so just like I said, there's not words. Like she's just Mm -hmm. this incredible human. And, and, but I also want to like caution our listeners. I know what Amanda knows. And I know that this mama, she does not dedicate her entire life to her children and only her children. This Mm -hmm. mama takes a lot of time to Mm -hmm. fill up her own cup so that she has the energy to pour into her two babies so that she has the energy to live in the now so that she has that desire and isn't like living this constant you're, you're taking so much time from me. You're taking so much time from me. I'm not fulfilled. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I, I'm X, Y, Z, whatever. Like, yeah. So will you talk to us about like how your self care, like what do you do to fill yourself up? Uh, One of the first things that I do is I absolutely take time to myself in the morning to get into my Bible. I am reading scripture. I'm speaking scripture over myself. I'm spending time in prayer. Um, I'm speaking life over myself, over my children. Uh, I have like a morning routine where I pump and I, you know, read my Bible. I say affirmations. Um, I really get into what is it that I want to feel today? How do I want to feel? How do I want to be? Um, that's something that I know, Bryn, we've been doing lately with our mindset coaching. Um, but who do I want to be today? Who's the, who's the mama that I want to be for my kids today? Um, who do I want to, you know, who do I want to impact? You know, when people see me, do they just see me or do they see Jesus? And I go down, I do my workout because if physically, if I'm not feeling at my best, then I'm not going to be at my best. I need to have energy. I, I mean, my son is 30 pounds and he is not mobile. You know, uh, like he does not walk. He, we're working on crawling. We're working on rolling over. That's a big three-year-old that I have to pick up and carry around and do trait care and give him a bath and do all those things. Um, if I am not physically taking care of myself, then... I'm not able to do those things. I'm not able to come in with high energy if I'm not feeling good about myself. And they see me. Both of my kids, they see me every single day. And I don't want them to see me being unhappy. And I don't want them to see me being unfulfilled or you know, to, to be bitter or to be stressed out. Because it's so easy. I think for moms in general, it's easy for us to feel those ways because we're natural givers. Uh, I think it's just the way that God wired us. But at the same time, I think as a special needs mom, we're so busy running around to therapies, doctor's appointments. I was just talking to another friend this morning. She was like, you know how the beginning of the year is? We got all these appointments. We got surgeries coming up. We got to do these therapies and this therapies and this. And I was like, girl, I hear you. So it's so important to make sure that in the chaos, you still are finding time to take care of yourself and to find joy because the things aren't going to change. The things are always going to be there, but it's how you walk through those moments that's going to prove to yourself that A, you're strong enough and you're capable enough to handle all of these things, but it's going to show your kids those things too, that when their trials and their troubles come along, 
that they can handle it because they've seen you be the example. And they're like, hey, you know what? Mom can, if mom can do it, I can do it. And then they see you being more patient. They see you having more grace with yourself and with them. And it's not this always constant battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my, okay. She is really like, ah. like not, go get her. Go get her. Let me go get her. <laughs> She's a good addition to the call. Oh, <laughs> yes. No, I love it. Look at this girl. Look at this girl. Oh, yeah. Who's that? Hi, cute girl. Say hi. Oh my goodness. Look at all she's that hair. <laughs> she's, it's wild too. I'm like, she's she's wild. It's just like me. No biggie. Yeah. Oh, hi. Okay, oh. so now that we have this cute guest on with us. Oh Lord. I They're gonna yell at each other the entire time, I have a feeling. It's okay. It's okay. Does, does she I mean I know the answer to this, but listeners don't. Does she have any any I, what did you call it? You not genetic to, abnormalities. Yes, genetic abnormalities. She does not. She does not. She is. <laughs> she does not. She is. <laughs> she is her mama's child, and you know that was one of the things. You know, after you, uh, I had two very <laughs> crazy ultrasounds. Where the first one with Raphael, we find out at twenty weeks that you know that, that there's issues. And then with my second child, Emmanuel, we found out at 12 weeks that the baby, that he had passed. So I was like, on my third, when I went in for my ultrasound with her, I was like, you know, please, Lord, you know, I can't go through another ultrasound where I'm getting bad news. So it was kind of like, oh. um, but no, she is. That was the first thing I asked him. And I almost asked him after she was born, and if I wouldn't have known the answer to this, I probably would have. Uh, I was like, I almost was like, can you check her airways before we leave? Can you check, can you just check her airways? Cause I don't want to get home and then find out that, but she had great airways. Cause as soon she screamed, like we gave her her first bath and she cried bloody murder. So I was like, she's good. Yep. She's good. She's got good she, airways. <laughs> she's got great lungs and great airways. Seeing the those things that we take for granted sometimes really truly. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. And parent, you know, parenting a t- I was just telling a friend of mine the other day, she's like, what's the difference between parenting a you know a typical needs child and a in a special medically complex child? I was like, it's hugely different. You know, because Raphael is is so delayed and because he he really is differently abled. He does things very differently than anyone else. Um, To have a child that goes through typical milestones and typical like markers in, in their life, it's like, like seven months, she's starting to crawl and I'm like, I'm not ready for this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. And Raphael's looking at her, but he's, you know, now he sees her and she, you know, she crawls over to him and he's rolling over to mess with her. So I'm like, it's not going to be any amount of time before both of them are crawling after each other. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's nice. I love right? that. Well, and I bet like for boys, they're just innately competitive. And I bet having him see her like, hey, wait a minute, you're new here. And you've already figured that out. Like, I bet yep. it gives him a little bit of extra like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. That's right. <laughs> That's what are you, so why are you yelling at and, him? Maybe he doesn't want you yelling at him. 
and before we were we were recording i asked her like okay so what what term do you use like is do you call them like disabled and share share with them what you shared with me because i loved your response so you know every every person is different every family is different uh we do not call Raphael disabled because that to us that implies that he is unable to do something. Um, what we call him, I call him differently abled. He just does things differently than everybody else. You know, he may not talk um, verbally, but he communicates in a different way. So he communicates through, we're working on words with him with our speech therapist, um, but he, he communicates with gestures or head nods or um, pointing and touching. Uh, we're using picture exchange communication. You know, he may not walk, but he's in his stander or he has a wheelchair. So you just come here. Um, so he's just, he's not disabled. He's just differently able. Mm -hmm. I, love that. I love, love, love that response. So, so beautiful. Okay, well, before we, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with us or leave with us? Um, you know, really honestly, I just, I think that motherhood is so challenging, regardless of whether you have a child with special needs, medically complex needs. Um, but through this season of motherhood, give yourself grace. That's something that I'm learning along the way is that it doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to, you know, see, we see all these beautifully curated Instagram pictures from these amazing letterboard influencers. And we're like, oh, why isn't my life like that? Or so-and-so must have it so. And it's like, don't fall into that. You know, appreciate where you're at in your life and your journey through motherhood. and let the little hard moments, those are preparing you for other things. They're preparing you for those way, way hard moments that I hope nobody ever has to go through. But even in those little moments, give yourself grace and then don't think that you're in it alone because you're not. We all have something. Um, and when we can find that community together and know that as moms, we're not in it alone, and it changes things. Amen. And I, I am so grateful for the way in which I feel like social media is changing a little bit and the showing the, this is what you saw in the first take, but this is what, <laughs> these are the bloopers, right? And, yeah. and I, that's honestly been one of the coolest things for me in this, this platform, this podcast is like, this is how I talk to people in real life. And yeah. I don't, you know, I don't mean to show up on social media as like this, whatever, perfect butterfly mom, right? But it's like, I've got real struggles. We've all got real struggles. And just like putting, making each other know, like, we are not alone. And right. <laughs> everybody has messes and frustration and all the, all the things. So. And there's no perfect way to parent. There's no perfect way to be a mom. None. Yep. Like even, even Mary, even Jesus's mom was not perfect. So it's like, no, let's take ourselves off of that pedestal. Let's give ourselves some grace and let's realize that we're on this learning journey right along with our kids mm -hmm. and it's going to change for each kid. Yep. 
Totally. And there's a, uh, Amanda and I were actually able to be in a test group together for a prenatal program. And the trainer that we worked with, she, she talked about how you are a perfect mom just for loving your kids. Right. And, and I loved that. I loved that so much. And I think it really is true that if you love your child, which, I mean, you just listened to a, a whole episode about, you know, loving your kiddos. And that's exactly what this podcast is dedicated to. So if you're one of my listeners, you love your kids. And yeah. so guess what? You already are a perfect mom because you love your kids and you're trying every day to be a little better than you were the day before. And you're giving yourself grace and, and there's nothing more we can ask. So, <laughs> hey, well, thank you, beautiful Amanda. Thank you. <laughs> I will see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace.